Hello, and welcome to episode 245 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for Sequential Movie Making Artifice Removal Test Storytelling. <laughs> Very nice. I like it. My name is Rediger Q Podcaster, aka Trevor, and your name is Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, as you've no doubt deduced mm-hmm. from my incredibly obvious acronym, mm-hmm. there is a new DC animated movie announcement this week. So, the last few DC direct video animated movies, Superman Red Sun, trying to think what was what else was Oh, the um Apocalypse War, mm-hmm. right? The final one in the in that continuity. They've all had animated shorts that were also attached to them. You get it on the Blu-ray or with the digital version. We haven't gone back and watched those, but what they're doing is they're releasing a compilation of the last four or five shorts as a separate release. Mm-hmm. And anchoring that, they did the same thing with the with the original DC showcase shorts and the original DC animated movies as part of the Superman Doomsday, New Frontier, Batman Gotham Knights. They had shorts on them and then they released all of them with a longer, like a 20 or 30 minute quote unquote short, which was the Superman Shazam Return of Black Adam one with George Newbern and Jerry mm-hmm. O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing the same things. They're releasing the last four or five shorts with a new, with a longer, but still short-ish, I would imagine 20 or 30 minutes feature. Mm-hmm. on the same release. So mm-hmm. you're not just getting 40 minutes of content that you've already seen. You're getting something new. And that, but what it is, is interesting. It's a prequel mm-hmm. to the Batman Under the Red Hood movie mm. starring uh, Bruce Greenwood and Jensen Ackles, you recall, mm-hmm. right? And it's a prequel to that in that continuity. Well, so it, it's Batman Death in the Family, yeah. And it expands on the story of Jason's Todd, Jason Todd's death at the hands of the Joker. Bruce Greenwood is returning. Ooh. A bunch of the original cast is returning. I didn't see Jensen Ackles in there, but maybe they're just using the old dialogue that he recorded for the other for the last movie. Um, but what's interesting about this is that it's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure thing. It's interactive. So at certain points in the movie, and of course, this is an homage to, back in the day, mm-hmm. how DC let fans call into that toll-free number and decide whether Robin lived or died. Oh, so at key points in the movie, you get to decide what happens next. So it's a branching story. So you decide, will Batman rescue Jason in time? Will Joker kill him? Or will he somehow manage to save himself? And from there, the movie branches off into different oh, wow. paths. So some of them will lead to the same events and you'll end up seeing some of the same footage, I would imagine, from Under the Red Hood. But others will go in completely different directions. The trailer shows um, Jason in a Red Robin costume. Mm-hmm. So he becomes like, he doesn't go full on Red Hood. He becomes like a just a darker Robin and does different things. And in one, he survives. But then he into the events of the movie but then he's overcome and killed by black mask and stuff like that like you get to choose a different i don't know how many branches there will be i think more than just the one mm-hmm. um but that's what they're what they're doing but wow. they'll have new dialogue from bruce greenwood and some of the other cast um to to sort of flesh it out flesh out the different paths right wow so that's it's a pretty great. cool concept so you'll get that and you'll get the animated shorts which we haven't still watched the sergeant rock one that stars carl urban yeah the neil gaiman's death one um all on the same release. So this will be a good excuse for us to go and, and actually watch those in right. addition to watching this new thing. That's going to be awesome. That's pretty cool. And that's it for our news. Wow, that's that's really fun news. I mean, I think and I think we're going to watch it several times through. It feels more like a game than a movie, but the, that'll be an interesting experience. I can't wait. So what was your comic of the week? So this week I picked, oh, let's go with Hellblazer number 48. Eight? 48. Eight. Eight? Eight. Eight. <laughs> Okay, we'll go with your your pick. Can I meet you in the middle and say, you know, 32? 
No. No, eight it is. Okay, you're a tough negotiator, but fair. Anyway, in this one, we continue the story of the um, mermaid. We pick back up. I thought it was just done. I thought that was it. But um, we pick back up from the ending of last issue where the mermaid is back in the water and she's still telling her tale of woe. Um, And this continues to be an amazing issue filled with a little bit more backstory on how Constantine picked up her trail and was following them around just a little bit before um, intervening and why he was there. Um, But it also has analogies to the futility that sometimes is uh, present in nature, how pheromones and hormones and nature can make um, fish swim upstream and then they procreate and then they die and this similar theme happens here with um with the mermaid too and even though she wasn't alive to see it her babies ate their father which is great so i don't know it was just full of great imagery it was really um it had some interesting thoughtful thoughtful analogies and um and even though we were rooting for the mermaid to survive and we got more elucidation on her part of the story um it didn't happen but we still got a pretty satisfying ending so that was why it's my comic of the week mm-hmm. go for it what was yours so i picked suicide squad number seven which was Hooray. another great issue tom taylor a guest art on this issue by daniel sempier not the traditional bruno redondo um but it was very good it was sort of a one-off dead shot he's, he's you know he's completed his term with the suicide squad he goes mm-hmm. home sees his ex-wife and his daughter his daughter has an adorable costume and code name as a uh, live shot <laughs> live shot um and tom taylor's been on twitter saying yeah we're definitely going to see more of her that's not just a one i could, don't imagine she's going to become an actual superhero but that plot thread is going to continue oh, it's not please. just completely yes. self-contained and she's been winning archery contests uh, oh okay go ahead yeah. it's just exciting go ahead but then the government spooks come and try to take him back because you know the suicide squad isn't really on the up and up anymore with you know everything that's been going on this mysterious you know, whether it's the actual Ted Cord or not. Like, I find it hard to believe that Ted Cord is doing evil stuff. He seems like he's, he must have some sort of altruistic motivation or this isn't the real Ted Cord, but it's being run even less above board than it was under Amanda Waller. And so now, even though he's fulfilled his term, they come after him again and the rest of the team has to show up and Well, they don't have to. That's the nice thing is that none of them had to. They just showed up and and it was actually a really beautiful moment in that issue where um, Wink, oh man, Oh, man. Well, if they hadn't showed up, his daughter would have died. His daughter would have died. Yeah, Wink saves his daughter's life. Harley is in the mix somehow, and she's talking to his wife because she's protecting her at some point. She says, I didn't know he had friends. And (laughs) Harley's comeback is, I think uh, he didn't know either, but he's working it out for himself right now. Because they, they literally, they had no place to be there. They just were there because they were looking out for him. And if they hadn't have... If they hadn't come, um, yeah, his daughter would have died because of the the way that the authorities handled the situation in the backyard. And I thought it was perfectly placed for this because, oh, it just highlights certain things (laughs) that we need to be talking about. So, oh, man, it was just a really good issue. And it was a lot of fun. And I had, um, I'm sorry, I'm taking over your (laughs) your description here. But it was a really good issue. We sort of co-picked it this week as well, didn't we? Um, because both of us loved both of these issues, so. Oh, man. So what, I forgot how it ended. It ended because... Um, well, they kicked all their butts and then they left. Right. He, he realized that he wasn't as free he as he thought as he was. He's got to finish all this unfinished business before he can really 
start fresh. That's right. Oh yeah, that's how they dispersed. So he's going because Deadly Six contributed. Ted Cord's butt. I I also love in, in the issue how even though they showed up for like the last two pages of action, each um, member of the Suicide Squad had something important to do and they were really working together as a cohesive unit so deadly six dispersed the crowd um helped disperse them um and everybody else was fighting alongside but the way that they were fighting was really cohesive and and clever and awesome Ah, it's just good it was a good issue yes Mm -hmm. that is my conclusion so you ready for your quiz Ooh, quiz so this week i'm going to be quizzing you about seven soldiers Okay. Okay? Okay. So these are all multiple choice. You ready? Yeah. All right. So number one, the original seven soldiers were also known as the All-Star Squadron, Infinity Incorporated, the Justice Legion, or Law's Legionnaires. The Justice Legion? No, Law's Legionnaires. Oh, okay. Number two, the unofficial eighth member of the team was Stripesy, Speedy, Wing, or Johnny Thunder. Thought it was Stripesy. No, it was Wing. Stripesy was one of the official members. Ooh. All right, number three. The team starred in which comic series? More fun comics, leading comics, adventure comics, or Star Spangled comics? Star Spangled comics? No, leading comics. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that at all. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> number four. Who was not a villain faced by the team in the 40s? Willie Wisher, Dr. Winfred Doom. Now we're crossing into unfair territory because you and I have never talked about this off mic. You didn't tell me this was going to be quiz material. Willie Wisher and Dr. Wilfred Doom. Oh, yes. Which is spelled with an E. Of course it is because he's from Britain. The Wizards of Stenovia or (laughs) Babyface Johnson. Oh, dear. In the 40s? Has to be an overseas villain, I'm sure. Stenovia. No, Willie Wisher. (laughs) Okay. Willie Wisher was, however, the villain in an, in an unpublished story for which the script later resurfaced decades later, but it was not see. actually published. I so see. I did not make up that name. Oh. Number five, <laughs> who, was not, who was not part of the one-off Seven Soldiers team retconned into the 1960s? Whoa, that's a lot to unpack there, but I'm ready. Who was, who was not part of the one-off Seven Soldiers team retconned into the 1960s? Okay. Oh, it was not easier the second time. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Guardian, uh-huh. Adam Strange, Batgirl, or Dead Man? Batgirl. No, Guardian. Oh. It was Adam Strange, Batgirl, Dead Man, Zatanna, and other people. Oh, Atomic Knight, who was the new Shining Knight, Ooh. and so other people I can't remember. Okay. All right, number six. Uh-huh. Who was not part of Grant Morrison's 2005 team? <laughs> That's a question. Grant Morrison's 2005 team. Uh-huh. Frankenstein, Clarion, Mr. Miracle, or Metamorpho? Ooh, good question. Mr. Miracle. No, Metamorpho. Oh, that was going to be my guess. It was the toss-up between those two. Although it wasn't the Mr. Miracle you're thinking of. It was the it was uh, Scott Free's successor, Shiloh Norman. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you got zero out of six. I, yeah. Arguably one of the lowest scores you could have gotten. Yeah. I mean, at least it wasn't a negative score. Correct. Yeah. All right. So for shows this week, so we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Stargirl, and Doom Patrol. Okay. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this was a good one, picks up with the whole uh, Nathaniel Malick uh, afterlife. Um, 
Gen Yi storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I got to admit, I'm not finding Nathaniel Malik to be like the most compelling villain the show's ever had. He's kind of like a petulant brat kind of villain, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, he's okay, but for like the final villain the show's going to have, it would be cool if they brought back like one of the mo- more iconic villains from the past or had some new villain that in some way is like the... I get that he's kind of the culmination of past villains in the sense that he's a Malik, which has ties to Hydra and he's like got inhuman powers, which is the has ties to the whole inhuman season. Mm-hmm. So he, he's kind of has elements of all of that, but I don't know. I still would have preferred someone a bit more grandiose or epic as mm-hmm. opposed to like this kid with like bad facial hair mm-hmm. who's just, you know, just got like this petulant anarchist attitude about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, I thought the Chronicoms were more, even though they were not like, they were impersonal and kind of faceless. And, yeah. But it was just, they didn't need to be the most compelling villains. They were sort of an excuse for the team to have fun in different time periods. Yeah. But now that they're trying to position this one guy as the villain, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not quite as on board with it as I think they would. I'm getting a little more on board with it, but you're right. It feels like, uh, hmm. It feels like if they coordinated an effort, they could have taken him out a while ago. But then again, they've had their own stuff going on. I feel like the more interesting stuff in the last episode was definitely between the team members. Well, that's that's the, I mean, you could kind of go two ways. You could have a villain's like the culmination of all, of, of all the storylines the show has had in some way. Or someone feels like the ultimate big bad, you know, yeah, like the first exactly. evil on Buffy exactly. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or you could do what like the first half of the season seemed it was doing or say Arrow season eight, right? Where there wasn't really like a big overarching villain. I mean, I guess you could say the anti-monitor was for Arrow, but he didn't even really show up in any of the Arrow episodes. He was, you know, right. it was really Arrow season eight was just like an excuse for fun adventures, seeing characters one last time, revisiting past events or places, things like that. Right. Right. Which kind of felt like what the season was doing for the first half was, oh, we're going to travel to different times. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have fun cameos. Here's Patton Oswalt. Here's Patrick Warburton. Right. Yep. But now they're propping this guy up and, and it doesn't really feel like the most epic of, of villains to face. But the stuff, all the, the team dynamics continues to be fun. And that's. Yeah. You know that's kind of what you're what you're on on board for after seven seasons, and yeah. of course, um, the, and they they did get God help me with these names and Ver Gojach or whatever and Dichen Lachman yeah. in the same scene, oh boy. even though they e- e- even though he only said like five words to her and it was mostly just her talking to Daisy. Right. They did get the two of them, so it was, we Yay. did get our little mini <laughs> mini dollhouse reunion yeah. again. Um, they did get them in the same room for t- for for a five minute scene, so that was nice at least. Hmm. And there was a fun, you know, behind the scenes photo with Marissa Tankeron and Jed Whedon, who were the showrunners of Dollhouse, and now this with the two of them. And it's like, right. oh, that's a little Dollhouse reunion. That's awesome. Um, too bad they couldn't have gotten because um, they mentioned him in the past episode, Whitehall, Daniel Whitehall, right, oh, who was played yeah. by Reed Diamond, who was also on Dollhouse. I forgot. And for that, that, he that was matter, on Pat- and for that matter, Patton Oswalt. Pat- <laughs> that's true. All we need is, uh, I guess Alan Tudyk was never on this show. They, Alan Tudyk would have would have been good on this show too. Yeah. He's over on, uh, he's he's doing everything on DC Universe now, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fun episode. Yeah. I don't really have a lot to a lot to say about it. It was a good time. So Star Girl this week, part one of the uh, so this is Stars and Stripe part one. Um, yes. The part one of the big season finale. Yeah. This is kind of exactly what you would expect, right? Like this is the team. Um, they get attacked in there, or at least we see a couple mm-hmm. of attacks. I guess it's really just Pat and Courtney Pat, and her mom. weren't they vicious? Yeah, the, the fight Wolf. choreography of the Tigress-Courtney fight was really good. Wow. So they get attacked in their homes, and, and um, Mike kind of gets accidentally let in on the family secret, right, by saving yeah. his dad with the, with the power drill there. Yeah, um, which was nice because he was sort of, yeah. But, like but that, but that little 10-minute 
action sequence aside, it's kind of exactly what you would expect, which is if you got a two-part finale, part one is probably going to be the good guys regrouping, formulating their plan, figuring some stuff out, having a few last, like, character-building moments between each other, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, at the very end, action starts ramping up and there's a big cliffhanger and part two is going to be, like, all action and then, like, a little denouement. Yeah. It's kind of what you would expect structurally. But, yeah, I feel like the pacing-wise, it's... It, you know, the season has been great. I feel like it's exactly the right 13 episodes. I mean, I feel like when Netflix tried to do the 13 episode seasons with the Marvel shows, mm-hmm. sometimes they really felt saggy in the middle. That was like a really common complaint about those. But this one pacing wise, I feel like it's been it's been great. I, I haven't I like what would you cut from this season? Right. Because oh, you had a few episodes to introduce Courtney and Pat and the main dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then you gradually then you had kind of individual episodes to introduce Wildcat and Dr. Midnight and Hour Man. And then you couple had a couple of episodes that focused more on the villains. Mm-hmm. And then you had one that introduced Shining Knight and that whole series of things. And then you had the two-part finale. I feel like you don't, you couldn't really cut much. And Jeff Johns has always been pretty good pacing-wise, actually, now that I think about it. From his comics to something, even something as long and intricate as Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Um, as interminable as that felt, like going four or five months in between issues. I feel right. like if you, in retrospect, if you'd read it all together, I think pacing-wise it would hold up very well. I agree. This stuff has always been paced quite well. It's one of his strengths. Um yeah, and a great cliffhanger on the end, which I feel like they kind of maybe should have seen coming as soon as Beth said, yes. oh, by the way, anyone with fully developed brains is going to... But I guess they didn't know right up until the last moment right, that they, they was going to do the whole Ozymandias, I did it 13 minutes ago or whatever, right? Like, oh, it turns out the right. wave is actually going out now, right? Yeah. Um. So that was that was the twist. But yeah, and I feel like thematically it's perfect, right? Like mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about the themes of this show, like generational themes, you know, legacy, yeah, that kind of thing. But... You know, kids versus the adults, like the kids having to actually stand up and prove themselves to the older generation. That's that's a perfect thematic capper to the season, exactly, right? Exactly. So yep. I feel like that's that's really structurally really well really well done. Also, I was a little surprised Jeff Johns didn't write this episode. Not that I could really tell, and I'm sure that his hand is all over. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he's probably has a pretty heavy hand with a lot of these scripts. Um, and I imagine he'll write the finale. But yeah, I'm a little surprised the two part finale that he didn't write both parts. But yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I I like the fact that. Um, Everybody had uh, an important key role in this yeah. one. Yeah, Yolanda probably got the least to do out of the main characters. True. Although she's, it's kind of interesting because we she's, at least got some attention given to her mourning, and and yeah, that's she important. got a couple of little scenes. Important. I think they're probably going to have a scene in the finale where she goes up goes up against Brainwave and you tries so? to like get revenge yeah, for that. Might be good because it's not like because Courtney. Courtney's villain is kind of, I mean, they're all kind of her villains, but if Courtney's going to have a one-on-one final showdown with anyone, it's probably going to be their leader. It's going to be Icicle, right? Yeah. So it's going to, everybody's going to start, it's the way it always works in these things, people pair off, right? Mm -hmm. Just because it's easier to stage and write and everything. Yes. So I feel like Yolanda's probably going to go after Brainwave. I feel like Our Man's been itching for a fight with Solomon Grundy because he killed his parents. Yeah. Beth might be coordinating stuff from wherever. She's not even in costume right now. Mm -hmm. Um Although I imagine she'll probably get in costume by the end of this. They can have like a big, cool group shot. Yeah. Um, and Courtney's going to go up against Icicle and Yolanda's probably going to go up against Brainwave. Those are like all the Who's big Who's going to take on the Dragon King? Shining Knight, maybe? Yeah, because he's, yeah, he, he's got to he, slay the dragon, right? I feel like that's, yeah. that's right there, right? Um, and, then, and then maybe his know, daughter gets let out to menace them in the second season. Right. But I think her, t- I, I'm not sure she's going to get let out in this one. I think that might be one, one element too many in the finale. I thought that was an interesting her. thing to sort of toy with her in the last few episodes. I'm glad she got a few things to do. And I um, I, think, I like the, her conversation with Brainwave in this one. You know what I think? You know what I think they're going to do? It just occurred to me right now. 
they they forget about her entirely. They mop up the Injustice Society, right? Mm-hmm. She gets let out or something in the end. And then next season, she assembles her own, like Courtney assembled her own Justice Society. Yeah. She assembles her own like junior Injustice Society with yeah. like second generation villains made up of some of the other kids. Maybe she tries mm-hmm. to get like Cameron and Fiddler Jr. or whatever they're on board. Yeah. Maybe some of them go for it. Maybe some of them don't. And she, they could even pull in some other younger legacy villains from across the DC universe. Yeah. You know, characters mm-hmm. that haven't really had much to do with the Injustice Society before, just like Shining Knight, never really had much to do with the JSA, aside from the fact right. that they were both mm-hmm. Golden Age teams, and I guess technically retconned were like in the All-Star Squadron together, because yeah. that was every superhero that existed was like drafted by Roosevelt to be on the All-Star Squadron. Um, but yeah, so they can bring in elements from wherever, so she could bring in a bunch of other, but I mean, yeah, I mean, because it's right there, right? I mean, they've set yeah. up Cameron, mm-hmm. Artemis, yep. right? yeah. They, they keep referencing these characters even if we don't show them in every episode. We even had a scene with uh, between Fiddler and her son. Right, so that's setting him up. Exactly. We've seen Artemis a few times and they referenced her here and how screwed up she must be. Why did you think... So I had I, I think it was interesting when Icicle's parents said, you know, you should tell Cameron what's going on. This right. is like the family business he deserves to know and Jordan mm-hmm. didn't want to do it. What was your take on why he didn't, why he didn't want to tell Cameron what was going on? Because I think... Well, I mean, I, I I always think I'm right, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I've I've got it according to like my read on his character. But because um, you could read a lot of different ways, he doesn't want to endanger him. Yeah, he doesn't want to like trouble him. He, you know what I mean? I would think that he wants to protect his son and keep him being his kid as long as possible before burdening. He wants him. to keep him innocent. Yeah. See, I think I think that's part of it. I think that's definitely part of it. And it's to their credit that I think they've written Icicle, even though he's doing like this horrible thing, they've written him to be a pretty three-dimensional, right. interesting villain. Yeah. But I think it's more that, I think you can see on the actor's face when the big plans are coming together. Yeah. Not that he's having second thoughts, but he's, it's weighing on him the yes. cost that this will have. Yes. I think he's worried that Cameron, if he learns what he's planning, would talk him out of it. Oh, how interesting. I think his, 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 his take he's is wavering. That- yeah. Like, and it, he knows, like, even if he wouldn't admit it to himself consciously, I yeah. think he knows that if, if the one person left, you know, that means that much to him, his son says, you know, if you do this, I'll never forgive you. This is this is wrong. Right. You know, right. This is killing not, this 25 is not, million people is not who you not are. So this is not what mom yeah. would want. That would be enough to to talk to about talk it. About to have him. Yeah. Wow. And mm, I think that he wants to go through with it. He doesn't want to be talked out of it, but he knows that he would be if his he son told his son. Talk to him about how it. interesting. Yeah, you're right. So that's, that's, why. that's and, a good and, thought. And, and, you know, and implicit in that is the fact that he wants his, that he knows that his son is good, you yeah. know, and innocent, and he wouldn't want to taint that either. But he's he's almost like a little bit afraid of that innocence. Because right, because he, they, he they really he, want to force people to start thinking more generously about other people. They literally set up a, a system. I thought it was interesting what Beth was reading in their manifesto that they were going to brainwash people with. Well, but I feel like, yes, but that's a little, like it was played for laughs. Like, oh, they want to give everybody universal health care. And Rick is like, are you sure we're on the right side <laughs> yeah. here? But but even so, I mean, there's like, the, there's the whole, should you, you shouldn't be brainwashed. Even if there were zero casualties, right. you can't be brainwashing millions of people. Right. right. Just because you agree with the the political message of Jordan's right. political message, that doesn't give you the right to impose it on everybody else. Right. So I feel like, yeah, they played it for comedy. But even if it hadn't, wasn't going to have a death toll of 25 million, I think it would be incumbent upon them to stop him still. If only for the people that have already died, right? They would still need to be brought to justice because they literally killed the Justice Society and a bunch of other people, right? right? right. Kids even, right? Yeah. So they would still need to be brought to justice. But yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to the, the finale next week. 
Yeah, me too. And then we have Doom Patrol. So this is also the penultimate episode of the season. Yeah. This one's called Dad Patrol because there's, there's a whole lot of fatherhood in this one. There's uh, there's the chief spending his last day with Dorothy at the circus. Yeah. There's Cliff reconnecting with his daughter for the first time mm-hmm. and showing her around the man- the mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Larry's still got his own family stuff going on that's not touched upon as much here. He's mostly just helping out Jane. But then there's a the whole thing with Jane and her yes. trauma from and her, her father. father. Yeah. Um, and again, interesting twists here with the whole Miranda thing where first first you think oh Jane's got oh this Miranda she's she's killing the personalities right Jane's got to get right get back in control and then it makes they make you think that oh Miranda was actually the strong one that helped mm-hmm. the girl survive mm-hmm. and Jane's like oh I'm not gonna you know I'm gonna go along I'm gonna tell the line from now on and then Miranda pushes her down the well so Jane was right about her all along yep yeah really good episode this the this scenes between the chief and Dorothy were really hard to watch and then of course at the end the candle maker comes out anyway because mm-hmm. she's reached adulthood yeah. biologically speaking right yeah so the candle maker comes out anyway and i guess the, everybody's gonna everybody's kind of scattered a little bit but i imagine there's gonna have to be a big fight between everybody and, and this is what i was thinking you yeah because i thought that it was interesting that uh her mom which the makeup change really threw me because i do remember her well i still don't know if that's supposed hairy, to be I her mom or I, just I know like she said it ancestor. in the script dorothy said it in the mm. script she said mother I, I might be wrong i might have forgotten that um you remember I don't that see the why they would. I don't see it. why they would change the makeup. That's the only reason why. It's not like, oh man, we're out of hair. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, cost or maybe they made it so that you could see a little bit more of her face, so you could see her expressions better for those shots. I don't, think I, they don't would, I don't see why they would do that. I I, I have no answers. Um, but anyway, um, I thought it was interesting that she was following her with the boots. I don't know what the boots symbolize, but um, footwear. Yeah, I guess. But she gave her a weapon. As well as whatever it was to face the candle maker. And so I theorized to you off mic earlier when this happened was that I don't think Dorothy's supposed to release the candle maker. I think she's supposed to defeat him. I think that's her purpose. Um, And I'm pretty sure that I'm right because obviously she's been keeping him at bay. I think the only person that could save the world from the candle maker is Dorothy. And that makes sense because like, oh yeah, she's, he's, um, the candle maker is out in the wild and can, like her father put it, cleave the world in two. But I just, I think that she's the only one that has the power to stop him. And that's the strength that she has to grow into because she's still very much a little girl. Um, Hmm. So that'll be very interesting to see next time. <sighs> this was a very good episode. I love all the stuff that was happening with it. I'm just a little worried that oh, because and- they weren't able to film, according to one of the actresses on Twitter, they weren't able to film like the final seas- final scene of the final episode, that I'm a little worried that the next episode will either be not really the finale because they were going to do 10. Right. Or, we'll serve or, the, the, the finale, like, or they like re-edited it. You know, at the last minute to make it work as the finale, and then it comes off as like a bad episode because right. they tried to shove a some of the they tried to like merge two episodes together or something. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know, I'm a little worried about that. What they're going to do there, but do we have any leads on how many episodes we're going to get? Well, yeah, because next week's the finale, and we can count how many episodes we've already gotten. So we're going to get ten episodes. But I guess it, I didn't it understand. Ended up being, it ended up being nine. Next, oh, next okay. week will be the ninth episode. Or when I say next week, I mean two right. days from now. Right, right, <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe they'll pull what you suggested was, um, what was the other show that we enjoyed? Nightwing. Thing? No, no, no. Oh, Titans and just save yeah. what was going to be the finale exactly. for the next next season. Yeah, yep. they could do that. We'll see. That would probably be the best way to do it. I think Because then so. you could still watch it. You know, ultimately, 
years from now when all this is over you can you still watch it uh, together watch and it, it together the way it was right. meant to be seen because they're literally just missing one scene oh yeah so they could easily edit that in there and uh yeah make it sing mm-hmm. yeah that's it for our shows wow um yes yeah, so we're really enjoying our tv and get on those comics because they're really wonderful guys so if you want to reach out we have an email address mailbag at smartspodcast.com our twitter handle is at smartspodcast on facebook it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast and our website is www.smartspodcast.com how about a funny sound for us i don't have one how about Ooh, very good <laughs>